Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Wednesday, January 18th. Coming up, last summer, Kansas voters overwhelmingly rejected a ballot measure that could have led to an abortion ban. But this year, the debate over abortion continues in the state house, where abortion opponents have already introduced legislation that would further restrict access. Plus, tens of thousands of Missouri residents are living with long COVID, symptoms and side effects sometimes severe that last months after the initial disease. We'll look at how that's affecting an already tight labor market. But first, some headlines. Kansas City's fleet of fully electric buses is about to double. KCUR's Lawrence Brooks IV reports the Kansas City Transit Authority has received $4 million to buy two new no-emission vehicles. The money is just a portion of federal dollars aimed at improving infrastructure and other services around the districts of U.S. Representative Sharice Davids and Emanuel Cleaver. More than $31 million have been set aside for the region. David says adding the new buses will do more than just address climate change. $4 million is going to help them uh, increase not just the number of buses that they have, but also they've recently started an apprenticeship program to help increase the skills of the maintenance fleet. The buses will be part of KCATA's effort to improve travel for riders on both sides of the state line. Vivek Malik is now the first person of color to hold an elected statewide office in Missouri. Sarah Kellogg reports he was sworn in as state treasurer yesterday. Malik replaces Scott Fitzpatrick, who won his race in November to become Missouri's next auditor. Speaking at the swearing-in ceremony, Fitzpatrick said Malik has the characteristics needed to be a good treasurer. He's intelligent. He's been very eager to learn. He's conscientious. He's humble. And most importantly, he uh, is a man who really doesn't care who gets the credit. He just wants a good job to be done. The U.S. Supreme Court will not hear a case filed by former Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt almost two years ago. The case challenged language that blocked states from using American Rescue Plan Act funds to offset the costs of tax cuts. Schmidt argued the language prevented the state's General Assembly from exercising its constitutional authority to set its own tax policy. The justices issued an unsigned order yesterday without any explanation for their decision. Lower courts had ruled Missouri did not have the right to participate in a lawsuit because the state had not yet tried to use the money for tax relief and the federal government had not threatened the state with enforcement. A rule from the U.S. Treasury Department says the federal government can claw back ARPA funds from states that use them to backfill revenue. We'll be back after this. You listen to this podcast every day because it's your KC local reliable news source. You take us seriously. But you know, we like to get down and we want you to party with us. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host, Ari Shapiro, is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org slash radioactive. Thank you. 
Abortion was a divisive issue in Kansas politics last year and will remain a friction point during this year's legislative session in Topeka. Kansas News Service reporter Rose Conlin spoke with editor Stephen Caranda about what abortion-related proposals we could see. Rose, I'm guessing abortion will likely remain a major focus for Kansas lawmakers, but there are limits on what they can accomplish. Am I right? Yeah. So the Kansas Supreme Court ruled in 2019 that the state constitution protects the right to an abortion. And last year, Kansas voters overwhelmingly rejected a proposed ballot measure that would have stripped those protections from the Constitution, meaning they still stand. So it'll be tough for lawmakers to clamp down on abortion access in any kind of big way. But we should also keep in mind that the state's existing abortion restrictions also still stand, including a ban after 22 weeks, parental consent rules for minors, a 24-hour waiting period... And for context, Kansas actually has some of the stricter abortion laws among the states that haven't banned it entirely after Roe was overturned. How does it look like lawmakers will approach the abortion issue this session? So far, most Republican lawmakers and even the leading anti-abortion lobbying group Kansans for Life have been pretty cautious. We haven't seen any drastic proposals yet. Um, GOP leadership said that they would focus on protecting existing abortion restrictions and funneling more money toward crisis pregnancy centers. So those are generally faith-based organizations that offer resources for people with unwanted pregnancies, but they also usually discourage people from seeking abortions, and they've been criticized for using misleading tactics. And so that's what leadership is saying, but their position could change. And it doesn't mean that individual lawmakers couldn't propose more extreme bills. I know one of the first bills introduced this session targets access to abortion pills. What would that bill do? Right. So Senate Bill 5 would make it illegal for doctors to prescribe abortion pills over telemedicine. It's interesting because a very similar law is already on the books in Kansas, and a Shawnee County judge actually blocked that law in November in what was seen as a big win for abortion access. So that signals that this new bill might not survive in court, even if it makes it out of the state house. But generally, these sorts of debates around telemedicine and medication abortion really reflect national trends. We're seeing more and more efforts to restrict access to abortion pills because they account for an increasing portion of abortions. In 2021 in Kansas, it was two-thirds. Over the years, lawmakers have added time limits on abortion, like the 22-week limit you mentioned before. What kind of new restrictions could they be looking at on that front? Lawmakers could very well introduce legislation that would, for instance, ban abortion after 15 weeks as opposed to the current 22. Something like that is unlikely to become law and even less likely to survive court challenges. But that isn't to say that nobody will pursue it. You know, some lawmakers may want to sponsor legislation, even if they know it can't pass, in order to test the boundaries of what they can accomplish. Is there anything else we could see? I mean, what kind of other issues are ultimately tied to abortion? One area where abortion opponents might find more success this year is around judicial selection. Lawmakers are expected to consider changes that would basically give the governor more power to select Supreme Court judges. That wouldn't help abortion opponents while Democratic Governor Laura Kelly is still in office, 
but it could give them more political influence over the court in the long run. Generally, these kinds of debates over the role of state Supreme Courts are happening across the country, and it's as these bodies are taking on really renewed importance in abortion policy after the fall of Roe. That was Kansas News Service reporter Rose Conlin and editor Stephen Caranda. The Kansas News Service is based here at KCUR. It reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. Unemployment is at a historic low, but many Missouri businesses are struggling to find workers because so many people have short or long-term complications from long COVID. Brianna Heaney brings us the story of one worker in Missouri who wants to work, but physically can't. Michelle Wilson was an emergency room nurse at the Barnes-Jewish Hospital in St. Louis when she got COVID in November 2020. She and her husband had what she calls a mild case. But then, after the infection had passed... All of a sudden, I woke up and I was having a lot of cardiac arrhythmias. I couldn't breathe. I was coughing so hard I couldn't catch my breath. I was having this severe chest pain. Wilson had bilateral pneumonia, a lung infection that impacts the tissue of the lungs and makes it hard to breathe. But what she didn't know was that this was going to be the beginning of a back-and-forth cycle. She'd begin to feel better, she'd go back to work, her health would decline, and she'd have to quit again. So in August 2021, she made a hard decision. She stopped working altogether and is now on disability with long COVID. Uh, you know, your, your body's going to dictate what you do, and you have to listen to it. That's Zachary Holliday. He's a pulmonologist that runs the long COVID clinic at the University of Missouri and says that three years into the pandemic, there's still a lot they don't know about the disease. If you feel like every day you can do a little bit more, fantastic. That's what we want you to do. We want, you know, we know people that move uh, always do better if they can. But at the same time, if your body says, you know, this is very painful, I'm having a lot of difficulty breathing, um, you still need to listen to yourself to make sure that you're not, not hurting yourself at the same time. He says the illness impacts pretty much all of the systems of the body, respiratory, cardiovascular, nervous, and even gastrointestinal system. And it can make it hard to carry out daily activities, including work. Luke Dieterol is a specialist with MU Extension and says that 3% of the adult population in Missouri has long COVID. That's nearly 62,000 Missourians that are struggling to work or carry out daily activities, which is exacerbating a tight labor market. Unemployment is at a historic low, but businesses are still facing labor shortages. And with working age Missourians out due to long COVID, the market's in a real squeeze. A recent study by the Brookings Institute found that in January 2022, Long COVID accounted for 15% of unfilled jobs in the market. So when it comes to rejoining the labor force or what that's going to look like, Dr. Holliday at the MU COVID clinic says that he often can't answer those questions for his patients. Some people do get better after three or six months. With long COVID, I think the hardest thing for our patients is that if we find something that we know how to treat, we can treat, but there's a lot of unknowns still out there. And I think that's hard is, is knowing that that we're still working on potential treatment interventions. But for Michelle, not going back to work is just part of her long COVID story. She had to sell her two-story house due to stairs, hire someone to keep the house clean, and sometimes she's so exhausted, it can be difficult to cook dinner or even take a shower. Well, you know, I would ask the doctor sometimes, well, how long do you think it'd be before I feel better? You know, how long before 
I'm not going to be short of breath anymore. How much, how long before I'm not fatigued anymore? And they would just look at me and say, well, we don't know. You're helping us figure that out. And for now, she's accepted that chronic illness is a part of her new reality. I'm Brianna Heaney, KBIA News. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujiadi. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Brianna's story about long COVID and Rose's coverage of abortion in Kansas, visit kcur.org, where you can find more Kansas and Missouri news from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. Thank you.